Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, it's the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP, with your host, D. Klein, and today I have a very special guest. His name is Clyde F. Smith. He's the founder of CryptoArtNet.com, and you might know him by the name Flux Research on Twitter. Tell me about this name, Flux Research. Flux Research, okay. You know, I have to go back and see when I started that, but in the, in, okay, in 2001, I made my first uh, website, it's a bunch of links and an article, mm -hmm. and after that, I started getting into blogging, and eventually that got into music industry blogging, and at some point, I was trying to develop, I want a website about my writing, and I've always been interested in things like chaos and complexity theory and change. I'm also, I have a background in dance. Yeah, in I noticed that. I was reading that up on you. That's yeah. very interesting. And poetry as well, I was reading. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And more kind of performance poetry, not like mm -hmm. the poetry slams, but there's a, another whole history of performance poetry that led into the creation of performance of. Do you, do you have a performance poem you could do briefly here, you know, for a moment? Do you have one oh, just, no, no. You, you should have. Off the top do, of your head? I, I never did the memorization thing. Okay, okay. I always, I'd have sheets of paper and I'd be just going nuts through this stuff and throwing them around. And mm -hmm. that was part of the show. But uh, so change has always been a big interest of mine. And when I talk about flux, I'm actually, a lot of people think I'm talking about fluxes the experimental mm. art movement, okay. which um, very influential, early avant-garde kind of thing. Um, but it's actually about change. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, I actually have a PhD and I'm trained as a qualitative researcher in uh, cultural studies. So mm. Flux Research became my, I got the domain, it became my website I was using for specific topics at first and then at a certain point it just became my writing portfolio so fluxresearch.com is my writing portfolio it's got lot my different phases i did a lot of music industry blogging and writing for different companies and uh so that's where that came from so i created the twitter account and had this identity i think really before crypto art and nfts really existed so it's 2011 um, so nfts were oh yeah 20, yeah 17 18 kind of thing yeah so this was what i was doing in the odds unless you're a bitcoin person then you could argue it a little earlier than that but yeah yeah there. yeah and um obviously bitcoin kicked all this off um even though a lot of us are more focused on ethereum you know everybody i know respects bitcoin we don't do the this squabbling between yeah. crypto. That's not even part of the scene. Any of those people I deal with. Yeah, I identify as that. a Bitcoin mostlyist. <laughs> nice, nice. I like Bitcoin. I like, that. I like Ethereum. Anyone who asks me, you know, because like, people bug me all the time. Can, what do you think I should buy? I'm like, just Bitcoin and Ethereum. Forget the rest. Don't touch any others. 70% Bitcoin, 30% Ethereum. You're good. Yeah, I think... Um, 
unless you're really going to dig into it and learn a heck of a lot. Well, that's the thing. These are people who don't know anything about crypto. Yeah, I I think that's good advice. Um, And then, you know, if they want to, if they get the bug, then Mm -hmm. they'll, they can start discovering things and you can point them to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's worth, you know, you could take say 5% and play with it or 10% and play with it. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I was writing, I was doing music industry writing uh, around 2000. I sold some websites because basically mm-hmm. I was I was building a business mm-hmm. and the recession killed the ad game. Mm-hmm. And I'd made the mistake of only developing ad revenue streams. So uh-huh. I learned about multiple revenue streams, you know, through disaster. And well, that's uh, usually how you learn, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you go back to the internet stock market crash. I just started learning about stocks that year. Mm. So I learned how to buy. I never learned how to sell. (laughs) And it's all Uh, crashing and I'm not going, oh, I should get out for a while, see what happens. That would have been the smart thing. So I learned from that. I learned from uh, the recession. And then I started writing for a site called hypebot.com which is, if you checked it out, you'd, you wouldn't realize it's actually a major music industry news site. Can you say the name of it again? Hypebot, H-Y-P-E-B-O-T.com. Okay. And they started around the same time I started my sites. We knew each other. Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, they brought me on as a writer for about three and a half years. Okay, so we and, have common experiences with writing yes because you wrote you wrote for coin telegraph who else did you write for uh prior to that i wrote for a crypto briefing for about a year okay and uh prior to that it was mostly actually ghost writing Mm. i wrote a lot of marketing i've done some ghost writing that was for icos mostly really yeah um, you wouldn't want your name on a lot of that that's why i'm glad i was a ghost writer at the time (laughs) i hear that yeah, my ghost writing, I work for a company that um, kind of lowballed its writers, but it paid yep. some bills when I need some work. And it's, a lot you know, of... It's tough to make good money in it until it you kind of get into a big outlet. Yes. Yeah. and Because they can outsource it. it, right? They can outsource, like for the, other, the lower quality stuff, they can outsource yes. it to anybody to write. Yes. And... Uh, I was doing uh, a lot of more penny stocks and mm-hmm. well, that's not fair. That's not fair. There were some good stocks. A bunch of them were uh, cannabis mm. stocks. Those aren't bad so, stocks uh, five years those ago. Some, well, some of them are. I wasn't writing mm. for the really good ones. <laughs> and uh, But it was cool because I was learning about the cannabis industry and mm-hmm. I considered making that a specialty because I love cannabis. I think it's a great thing. Um, I like the medicinal. I like the recreational. Mm -hmm. So, and I think uh, the fact that it's illegal, still illegal, is not where I live. Oh, wait. Are you in Canada? I'm in Canada, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. You're whereabouts in the States? What? Whereabouts are you in the States? Oh, oh. Tennessee. Yeah, no, it's... To me, it's completely asinine that it's illegal. It makes no sense. Yeah. It's, it's purely done for, well, frankly, nefarious reasons. 
but we don't need although, to get into that. Yeah, although, <laughs> you know, one of the big blocks was alcohol companies because mm. they didn't want competition. They found in states like California, it has not hurt their business at all. And now a lot of them are that are looking at like CBD beverages and, mm -hmm. you know, coming into that. So it's actually going to help them in the long run. Yeah, I think it has more to do with um, there were lobbying pressures for um, sure. making it possible to have prison systems making lots of money by having That's people get imprisoned yes. on minor crimes, frankly. Yes. Um, yes. losing the ability to vote because of criminal records and so yeah forth, you know and so in that's yes. that's to me the primary reason it existed and that's my interpretation of events i mean it's my opinion well i mean i haven't looked at that those issues that closely it doesn't surprise me i can believe that that's the case um i'm just glad things are changing and i thank you canada for <laughs> making helping canada's played a huge role in making that happen internationally you think so how so by doing it hmm. by being the first country to do it on a i guess a i guess would you say a federal, federal level? Yep. Mm -hmm. is that term you all use okay so um working out systems for growing distribution doing it mm -hmm. in a regulated manner that allows it to exist and I think for a while you guys couldn't grow it, but you're starting to be able to now. What's the? I couldn't tell you. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I think I know um, there's limits to how much an individual person can grow. Sure. Um, you know, commercially is a whole other story. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I see. I think it's important to be able to grow it, not just I, buy I it from yeah. corporations. Mm -hmm. And see, here, here's um, the thing to me is when you look at say pot compared to alcohol yes like come on guys <laughs> if you're concerned about like health problems or societal problems i'm sorry but alcohol is far far worse it destroys people's lives absolutely i'm um i've watched i've had some friends drink themselves to death mm. and that's really hard to watch. I have a friend now who is never going to see this video. He thinks crypto art is kind of weird sounding. As do most people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's so, but I'm not going to say his name or anything. He's actually a great artist, but he, we saw his brother die from kidney failure and his brother mm. was a heavy, heavy drinker. Um, and he drinks very heavily mm -hmm. and um, he's not going to stop and, it's highly addictive like yes it compared is to cannabis yeah although yeah well cannabis can be addicted mm -hmm. addictive for people i have to be honest the way i controlled is not to have it around and that's what i'm mm. doing now because of various jobs i've had and things like that but um so I would argue it's more of a psychological dependence. Like if you stop consuming it, you're not going to have the heavy withdrawal problems that you would have from withdrawing from other substances. Right. You're not going to get the DTs or, mm. you know, all the crazy stuff you see in those movies where the... My opinion is legalize all that stuff and then tax it and then use a portion of those taxes to help the people who struggle with it. Because they're getting it anyway. Yes. Legally. And it's more dangerous. 
right? Yes. So for example, here in Canada, I agree. if I were say, for example, to choose to buy pot, right? I can buy it at a store where I know what I'm buying does not have meth in it. It doesn't have crack in it. It doesn't have whatever ecstasy, whatever, you know, substance gets mixed in uh, fentanyl, whoever knows, who knows what, right? You know, I feel more comfortable if I'm going to purchase it from something where it's okay, it's being taxed, it's regulated, and it's relatively safe. Yeah. And, you know, you can get organic marijuana. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the big problems with tobacco, I mean, there, there are lots of problems with tobacco. But one of the biggest is all the chemicals that are put on it just to make it burn evenly mm -hmm. and this and that. And interactions the complex interactions of all the chemicals that are on it and the stuff that was used when it was grown um actually add to the health risks mm -hmm. but you know um i'm into something now that you might get some fomo mm. but you're not gonna have health problems except staying up too late waiting for auctions to end and that's called non-fungible tokens. Yeah, let's talk NFTs. We haven't even I'm, talked I'm about starting NFTs. to see now how you get these hour and a half, two hour podcasts. Um, although, you yeah. know, um, the pod thing, you know, I was writing some about that and thinking about becoming, making that my thing. Mm. But because um, I wanted a new area to become an expert in expert enough to do some serious business writing and get involved. But um, you don't write about crypto at all. I'm starting to, I'm mm -hmm. starting to. And that's what happened was 2018. The ICO crashed all that stuff. Everything crashed in crypto. Yep. But I was just starting to pay attention to it. I kind of mm -hmm. noticed it stuff going on over there, you know? Yep. And what got me in was starting to understand that ICOs gave all these startups a way to raise money without giving up equity. Yep. Because when I was writing about the music industry, I interviewed like over a hundred founders of music tech startups. That's when I was really taking off back in the early teens. And that was one of their biggest things was they'd hit a point, they need more money, they'd have to give up more equity, give up more control. Basically end up selling your soul. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes you get to the end and it's a big success and you're not really the one cashing out. You're not the beneficiary of it. Exactly. So um, I was like, whoa, ICOs, this is kind of cool. You just make money out of thin air. <laughs> and it would turn back into thin air for many people sometimes sometimes yeah but you know i look at this as a very creative thing i mean human creativity doesn't just come out in art the fact right. that we can create current currencies and agree to use them and they have value the fact that bitcoin has value for basically being it's math right we're mm -hmm. spending math now and that's that's really wild but that's what got me into it in 2018. So I started paying attention, which led to Twitter and Medium, because mm -hmm. that's where everything was being that I was seeing discussed. And those were places I was already doing stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So Twitter and Medium, crypto Twitter. And sometime in 20, wait a minute, that's 2018. Yeah, 
2019, I discovered NFTs. I'm sure it was CryptoKitties that put it on my mm -hmm. radar. Mm -hmm. You know, and suddenly, whoa, NFTs. Now, I was writing about music industry stuff years after Napster. Right. But a lot of the people that would comment, if you'd say anything vaguely related to file sharing, vaguely related to streaming or, or new technologies like that, you'd get these guys, and they usually seem to be guys, come on and say, oh, Napster killed the music industry. This is bad. And it would be new ways of making money. I mean, before Spotify, there was all sorts of experiments mm -hmm. and ways where tech people we're trying to figure out how to artists could make more money. And there were a lot of people in the industry who were all they could do is fixate on file share and kill the music industry. Sure, sure. It's like Blockbuster, you know, rejecting Netflix, you know, it's like this natural instinct to stick with what you know. And see, um, so, so NFTs, the concept of non-fungible tokens, being able to identify a digital file, I mean, I immediately saw the implications of that. Mm. And as I got deeper in and realized it was visual artists that were really pushing this forward, um, it seemed even more important. Because the thing about music is there's a lot of ways to monetize music. Mm -hmm. When you start looking at its use in commercials, television, there are all sorts of licensing opportunities. Um, you can go perform live. Uh, you can put out CDs. Uh, vinyl made a comeback. Cassettes made a comeback. Mm -hmm. It's just so much is going on. Uh, and then you can do the merch related to it, t-shirts, whatever. Um, digital artists have not had all that. You know, I, some people can get big and put out a t-shirt um but mostly you had to do commercial work for other people you look at people that's what he was doing I, as yep. far as i know he was basically <laughs> a commercial artist and then he did these everydays which i mean I, I know not everybody likes his work but i really respect his creativity awesome work. i don't care what anyone thinks and that grind <laughs> i mean being able to you and Gary V will be talking about the grind, but because mm -hmm. I guess he still talks about that. He's talked about that all the time. But Beeple, man, is like, you know, anybody that can put out that level of work every day for totally. that long a period, that's mind blowing. Sure. People looked at that and they went, What look at all the money he made in an hour. It's like, guys, he's been doing this for years. Mm. And you know, that's the thing. Suddenly we have NFTs and then a new market emerges for digital art. That's a powerful thing. And mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, people... is, do you think, is there a parallel there to the ICO thing? Is it is it gonna be a huge collapse, you think? Oh, I don't think like that. Mm -hmm. I think anytime, I mean, we're in a period where prices seem a little out of control yep. or sales, sales. Cause a lot of those prices aren't defined by the artists are defined by the auction process. Sure. With so it's a collector setting like that, those. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people say, hey, there might be some money laundering going on, mm. or there might be a creation of a market by a few people, or say a rich person with multiple accounts, pushing the pricing up to create 
artificially inflated assets, right? Creating but, buzz, yeah. you know, you know, as well as I do on Twitter, you see artists collecting other artists, you see people selling things for low prices, the price, you've got every price point at this point. It's true. But some of those astronomical prices, it's a little over exuberant. Yeah, I would say they're outliers though, retreat. really, right? Like, you know, like when I look at most of the stuff that's moving around that I see is, you know, going for 0.1 Ethereum, that 0.2 kind of thing. A lot of people are collecting stuff around that price mark. You look at all these different unofficial punks going, going around, right? That's about the price mark they're at, somewhere in there. 0 0.05, yeah. 0 0.1 okay. Ethereum. For okay. those who don't know, that's somewhere between, say, 100 and $150, something like that. Right? So I'd say there's... I don't know where the highest volume is, but I'd guess that's a pretty good chunk of that volume. You know, that'd be a good thing to ask some of these um, companies doing stats is to break it down into, uh, you know, price ranges. Because mm -hmm. they can do that. They have the, I'm sure they have that data, sure, I would think. To. Because the kind of data they're collecting is usually publicly visible. Yeah, so I mean, it's blockchain. We're already collecting it, so uh, we should reach out to those guys because um, everybody I've interacted with it seems pretty accessible. Mm -hmm. If you're uh, making a positive suggestion, well, the info's there. It's a matter of who's going to go through it and you know aggregate it and figure it out and analyze it. Well, you've got um, like nonfungible.com, which mm -hmm. kind of. I think they were the first to be a really visible source of aggregated data that's freely available. And that's that's a big thing because a lot of these databases are behind paywalls right. for that's other true. kinds of business data. So the mm -hmm. fact this is public, that's a big thing. I'm not sure people appreciate that the way they should. Mm. And um, there's another company doing a lot of that. I'm embarrassed. I can't recall it. I'm working a lot right now. I just started a new job. Mm -hmm. It messes with my recall of names. Mm -hmm. okay. Names have always been an issue. But um, we've got this stuff going on. So they're already aggregating it. They're already, you know, processing it and different and analyzing it. So I would think this is something that they could choose to do a little more easily. And that would certainly be of interest to artists. Um, because I, yeah, I'm totally. personally and businesses. Mm -hmm. And I'm personally a little bored with highest price. Such and such artists sales. made a million dollars today or whatever. Yeah. Um, Which I mean, it's well, great for them, good for them. Yeah. But you know, and it's, it's that's an aberration. That's not typical. Uh, I think Robness the other day, crypto artist said, you know, he was getting it was like hard to even be interested in that anymore. And I think he was absolutely right. It's like some people are kind of wired to get excited every time a new highs reach, but mm. it's like basketball salaries, NBA salaries. Right. They you get know, to a point where while, they're unrelatable, right? Yeah. After a certain number of millions or whatever, I Not it's hard to care sense. that much. I can't yeah, really yeah. relate to it. Yeah. But, um, well, and you see it with some of these big, kind of big celebrities coming into the scene now, like Logan Paul, for example, where he made a killing, 
on his initial sale. Yes. But now none of that's going on the secondary market. They're all below uh, the initial price. The, oh, really? As far as I've heard. I'm well, Now, I could be wrong, but this is what I saw yesterday when I was checking into it, is they're actually at below initial price now. And it's hmm. one of those examples where you go, okay, there's some fatigue here. Yeah. Some of the, you know, and I don't think that fatigue's there in terms of people looking at the the real artists and the real right. art and the OGs and even like trash, whatever, that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's authenticity. But when it's just someone walking in going, hey, I'm a big star. I'm just going to hire somebody to make something for me and plop it on the blockchain and sell $3 million worth. Yes. And, you know, doesn't carry the same value. I I don't think so. I don't think it will have the same kind of lasting effect. There's a, there's a relationship you can build with an artist that's really making art. There's also a relationship you can build with a collectible that has mm -hmm. a unique look. Mm -hmm. um, you know, CryptoKitties, some of that price now, some of those prices now are kind of crazy. Yeah. But, you know, they're interesting and, and you breed them and you start, you can relate to them if you see them a lot. I mean, they're, it's nice work. Um, mm -hmm. And there's an artist behind that, or I think it might be two artists. I can't remember. I was, I was looking up, um, like, to see which companies have identified the artists, mm. because we never talk about them. But Crypto Kitties, you know, there's there was coverage of the artists behind that, some of the other things, and I think that's good. I th I think um, I think just hiring artists for their work and then the artist disappears is not a good look it's I kind mean. of a shame yeah. yeah 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 well and honestly on the company's part it's probably better to name them and it gives those that kind of history to it yeah and also um like when people start having these conversations and other artists people respect that when you give respect the artists behind things mm -hmm. and then it also it opens up a way for those artists to do more things um and you know if they do it with the same company hey the artist behind crypto kitties is right. now doing crypto bats with a machine gun or you know nice. whatever okay. whatever's next <laughs> new collection from clyde there F. you go yeah. hey that's not a bad idea it's so not um, a bad idea actually you, but you, it's not as good as <laughs> crypto zombies crypto bats with machine guns it's a good idea though you're right you're right because you could also put them in scenarios they you could, could have all you could actually you want to collab we could do that because <laughs> i could see a tv show coming out of that it's, crypto kitties would be harder awesome, to actually crypto kitties you'd have to invent a whole thing but like you put a machine gun in the hands of a bat <laughs> it just writes itself <laughs> it's true I really like it, actually. That is wild. Okay, yeah. uh, guys, that's uh, our intellectual property now. You can't take that. It's that's right. already been declared by Clyde F. Smith. So we just um, machine guns. recorded it. It's awkward. It's got that awkward pacing to the syllables, you know? Yeah. It just it has a certain awkwardness to it that I like that makes it catchy in a kind of a kitschy way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's... Personally, I think it's better than Snakes on a Plane, which... Yeah, which it is. Everybody got the joke and didn't go to the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, but this, they're going to the movie. That's right. They want to see what these bats do. <laughs> it's true. All right, I've got you on the hook for that, man. Okay. I good, want to ask good. you about CryptoArtNet.com, though. 
Yes. Because this is kind of your baby, right? Yeah. So what happened was I discovered NFTs. Then I found the crypto art scene. That mm -hmm. was 2019 on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And as a lot of people have noticed, when you get, particularly in the grassroots, uh, the people, I mean, some of the big stars are very cool too, but it's a very supportive community. Mm -hmm. Once you start to get out there, you can ask a question, people respond and help you. So I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I was like, I had never made digital art. So I started making digital art mm -hmm. so that I could mint it. And then the pandemic hits mm -hmm. and it's, you know, a few months into 2020 and I'm thinking, okay, I need to get my art out there, but yep. Because I've also done it, I did a lot of sites that were directory sites and very, really web one Yahoo directory type things. And uh, so I asked a bunch of around 25, 30 crypto artists I knew on Twitter, hey, do you think a directory would be a good thing? Because mm -hmm. we didn't have one. Right. They were, yeah, let's, that sounds cool. And they answered a survey. So I got clear on how, where I wanted to start. And then in May of last year, I launched Crypto Artnet, um, handful of artists, uh, but the concept's been the same. Basically, people apply, and that's more so I can just make sure they're actually a crypto artist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, if there's something that looks weird, I'll do a reverse image search, mm -hmm. make sure they're not, you know, lifting stuff and. There's only been a couple of things like that that have come up. Mm. And then um, they get a login and they create their listing. They can come. It's free. Uh, there's a small gallery. It's kind of like an enhanced link tree. So it's like a mm -hmm. link tree, but with fairly unlimited linking out to your website, your social media. If you've got a merch store uh, and of course, all the crypto art platforms, NFT platforms you're on. Um, you can do about six images. There's a gallery at the start. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a place to put a Vimeo or YouTube link so you can have a, vi a video on there. Why have I never filled an application for this? I, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the people who don't. I'm just looking well, at the artist tell application me. I'd like to understand right you people. I don't know. I guess uh, I'm fine. Okay, I will admit. I think I suffer a little bit from an attention deficit type thing. Like, I just miss stuff. Yeah, I, I might. I've seen. I I recognize this. I know about it. Yes. And it just you know something else comes up. You well, know? you know, thing I realize like anybody that's really active in this scene is working hard as heck all the time you know and uh they have art to make then you have the the uh, mining process on top of it you've got new platforms to sort out it's shifting all the time it's in in huge flux it's in a mm -hmm. incredible state of flux mm -hmm. um a lot of folks are also doing things with crypto and DeFi. Mm -hmm. um and then they have, we all try to have lives outside of this. Um, so I feel like a lot of people, like we've, I've had a lot of really great artists, 
you know, fill out the form, get their login and never create a listing. Mm. And yeah, I can see that um, happening. And I, I'd really be the frustrating. same way, probably. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, it includes people that get really excited and say great, nice things about the platform. So what you're saying is they'll basically, they'll be, they'll have login credentials, but they'll never yes. go in and actually put up any of their work for display. They never create the listing. Right. Now these aren't for sale here. These are on display no. here, correct? Exactly. It's a way yeah. to give people, if they want a link that, you know, can to a page where people can see their art, get introduced mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. it, and then go check out wherever they are online. Because mm -hmm. now everybody's like, I mean, Linktree's cool. That's mm -hmm. a nice, if you got five or six links, yep, that's cool. But a lot of people more and more, like particularly with the crypto art platforms, sales platforms, a lot of the artists have been in for a while or like five, six platforms. Yeah, go, I've got, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's just how it is. It's cool. Artists have been very open even to going to other blockchains. Mm -hmm. um, the artists in the game are really open. They're trying new things. And see, that adds to their workload because every time you go to a new blockchain you got to get a new wallet you got to deal with new crypto not all oh, yeah and i mean me personally i constantly yeah. feel i'm being pulled in like a thousand different directions. yes yes right because mm -hmm. i'm excited about lots of stuff i'm excited about my podcast yes i'm excited about a collaboration i'm doing with i'm excited about crypto bats with machine guns i'm excited about yes. Very you know my known origin and i want to preserve that and i want to mint to that on a regular basis, not too often, oh, good. but you yeah. know, once a week or once every couple of weeks kind of thing, there should be something going on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need that, you know? And, uh, then I have other little kind of just fun things that I'm doing. Right. And, you know, like I started doing these zombie punks the other day and Oh, zombie punks. Know. That's it. Yeah. They were just, they're just funny. Like I just, I've meant when I'm making them, I'm laughing at them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, cool. Like yes. they're just, they're fun, you know? And, uh, but then I, you know, how many different things can you be doing before you just run out of time? Yeah. And you need to chill out sometimes. Yeah. But I think with the podcast, that's a good example. When you take on something like this, you suddenly added a new, like, responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what happened with me with Crypto Artnet, particularly mm -hmm. in the beginning, like, um, like in the application process and the listing process, I needed to get everything to a point where people could do it without me having to intervene. And be, there'd be mm. different places in the process where suddenly I'd get multiple emails from people like, what do you mean by this? Like on the okay. application. So I'd have to explain every time. And then Eventually, I learned, okay, I just need to put a little more explanation. I have to work on my wording right. on the form. And then um, just different things like that so that eventually I don't have to answer a huge number of emails about the same thing if it's mm -hmm. something that I can fix and bring on. So at first, there was a lot of stuff like that. Also, I don't code. I'm not an engineer or a developer. Well, I was about to say, you know, what what the one thing that strikes me immediately about cryptoartnet.com being on Rarible and OpenSea and all those all day, how fast it is. 
Oh, like sweet. When I, when I go to an artist, I click on them, poof, there's their, usually an image of some sort. There's their statement. There's their links. It's fast. So I was about to say, there's some nice work that's gone into that here because a lot of time that's pretty rough on some of these sites. Yeah. Um, I started doing sites on WordPress blogs mainly about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. One of the things I emphasized from the beginning was speed. So there's a lot, there are a lot of things you can do. And SEO is the other part. Mm -hmm. um, so I've developed a lot of expertise in that. And then I, I, I describe myself as a WordPress theme wrangler. Mm -hmm. You know, I can work with a theme, tweak it. And I know a lot about the plugins, which ones are worth using, how to spot when one you should avoid a plugin. So WordPress has a lot of, there are a lot of challenges there, but it's the only place where for less than $100 a year, I could get a plugin to create a uh, directory. Mm -hmm. And because I paid for the plugin, I get support from the developer if I have a problem. And um, I'm able to do a lot without being to, able to code at all, really. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been yeah. very what, cool. What a great way for someone who's wanting to get into crypto art, though. Yes. You know, you go to cryptoartnet.com and you can just peruse and go, oh, this artist, mm -hmm. this artist, this artist. And I don't know about you, but trying to do that on something like Rarible, no offense to Rarible, I know they're their volume is enormous it's an open marketplace so yeah it's just very tedious to look through it it's very, yes. even my own stuff is tedious to look through on rarible you know because you sit there waiting for it to load and this is just very nice for kind of just breezing through and going oh this artist looks kind of interesting or even the artists that i recognize and i'm like oh yeah i haven't seen their latest stuff you know and it's very nicely uh optimized Thank you. Thank you. And I would say I've tried to f create a lot of different routes for people to discover artists. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still not getting the kind of browsing I'd like to see. So mm -hmm. uh, I've got another thing I'm going to work on, like a, a page with filters. The directory has that as an option. Um, okay. And uh, But a lot of what I've been doing is trying to tweak small things and make them work. Um, the directory is the biggest thing. I also recently added something called NFT art releases. Yeah, yeah, let's talk See, about that part there. Go ahead. Yeah, obviously NFT is big as a search term. So I wanted to use that. But what that is is something where it's a feed on the site where any member can post one piece of art a day. Mm -hmm. They can't repeat it, so it's designed so it can scale to a lot of members posting. Mm -hmm. And they're able to put a link to where it's available for sale and another mm -hmm. link or two to their own website. That they can link like... to their profile or they can link to whatever else they want to link to. Okay. And then what happens, that's auto-tweeted to NFT art releases on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then I retweet each of those to CryptoArtNet and to Flux Research, to those Twitter feeds. And now between those, there's overlap in the following, but it's over 5,000 followers altogether. Mm -hmm. And this 
new NFT craze is bringing new followers on Twitter to both crypto artnet and NFT art releases. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Okay. I start crypto artnet. I'm paying a lot of attention to SEO issues. One of the things I started was a web directory. Now that's got two pages that are getting a lot of traffic. One is crypto art marketplaces and platforms. It shows all the main platforms for minting and selling crypto art organized by blockchain. And also a basic guide to NFTs and crypto art is a related page. What happened was I'm using a lot of like, okay, I'm on WordPress. I've got an SEO plugin, uh, Yoast SEO, which is a mm -hmm. really big one. And they've kept up with Google's development. So they do, I can't remember what's called, structured data would be the big thing. But what, what Google does, you know how Google does those snippets? They'll take something from a site and make it the first result when people are going, what is crypto art? Right. Okay. Might have a little chunk from the website. What happened was I'd done all this foundational work and suddenly I discovered that Google had picked up the crypto art marketplaces and platforms page. And it's got a snippet for crypto art marketplaces, crypto art, one word, crypto art, crypto art, two separate words, marketplaces, and mm -hmm. one of the crypto art platforms variations. And since the NFT craze starting in January, that's become my highest traffic page more than the home page, more than the directory's starting page. And at the top of the site, I have a link I can put. Mm -hmm. So I've linked it to CryptoArtNet Twitter. And that's mm -hmm. just been driving daily people. They're checking out the marketplace page. Then they're clicking through to Twitter and following CryptoArtNet. So and basically because you're have... saying if you're a crypto artist, you really should be thinking seriously about getting onto this because I it's going to so. get a ton of exposure for you. It's the people are getting the most exposure are the ones that are using NFT art releases. Sure. Now here's, here's the thing. It's like the sign up issue. Right. There's really only a small number of members using that. Okay. Okay. Well, that's another thing to manage, right? It's another thing to do. Yep. And uh, people have said that. They said, yeah, I'd like to do it, but there's so many things I have to do already. See, for myself, and I know Twitter is my bread and butter. Twitter is yes. where I feel at home the most. It's where I connect with people the most. Secondary to that is probably Telegram, where I've got okay. probably about four or five channels that I communicate in. You know, one of them is the Art Gallery Auction House, where that's most of the artists that I talk with, right? Um, and then after that, it's kind of just... Those are the two that, you know, if I'm going to get a look at anything, those are the two that I get to. And then yeah. after that is the other stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, what's, what's this like on mobile? I'm curious. It looks good. Yeah. I think it looks better on mobile than it does on, okay. the, cool. on the desktop. I've been very happy with the performance. The thing is, it, everybody. It, it's fast. It's cool. Nice. See, yeah. sometimes for me, the main image loads kind of slowly. Okay. But I did a lot to, I track, um, have something that tracks performance around the world because crypto art is global and our membership mm -hmm. is global. You know, more stuff's happening in the States, 
but we have people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So I've really optimized for that. Um, you know, are you yes. kind of up on all these new platforms? Like, you know, Terra Virtua is kind of new. What about Foundation is another newer one? You Are you kind of, do you I, follow I, all that? I do follow that. Yeah. And one thing that is happening for me now, I'm trying to write, do business writing about the NFT thing. And at first mm -hmm. I was just focusing on crypto art. So I've been following everybody I can in crypto art and keeping up with all the new platforms. But now I'm trying to do that with NFTs more generally, which is a huge task. Mm. But I've written a lot. There's a blog on CryptoArtNet. I did that both to promote members and to promote the site for SEO purposes. Okay. Blogs, anytime you have a blog on a website, you're going to do better in Google. Mm. You can almost do it's that. constantly with, having new information on it, right? You can do new, new content. Google loves new content. But you also have like, you can obsess over specific keywords, but if you write in a natural way about the same topic a lot, you're going to get the keywords, you can get long tail keywords, and you'll eventually hit on something big, hmm. like I did with the Crypto Art Marketplaces page. Okay. So um, any artist that is has a website, and I think everybody should have their own website. Hmm. Should also, I, I hate to say should, but really, you should have a blog where every now and then you tell a story about your art, a story about yourself. Clyde, how do I have time for all of this, man? <laughs> you might have to stop blog podcasting. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, podcast, this is my blog. This is it. That is a, it is a form. It can be thought of as a form of, podcast, of blogging. And if it's, you're getting a transcript, you can put that mm. online. It does the same thing. That's yeah. I got to look into that. And if I, you're, I think with zoom, it might even do somewhere and you can get the transcript. I'm not sure. You should check that out. I've I seen that. I've seen so. that. And yeah. I know those people aren't going in and transcribing it themselves. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And honestly, a little elf transcribing anything inside my computer. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, It's expensive <laughs> to transcribe a half hour, hour oh, interview. If I'm you're sure. not a real, if you're not really monetizing it, and most of these things aren't monetized mm -hmm. in a significant way because there's not podcasts don't get any one podcast doesn't get a huge amount of traffic. No, maybe an episode does and certain people break through, but it's a very difficult medium in which to get a following. Mm -hmm. um, something like blogging's cool because people can pop in, they can go somewhere else, but if they're checking out your podcast on YouTube, the somewhere else is going to be somebody else's content, mm -hmm. most likely, unless they click through. But with a blog, they're on your site. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, this is interesting. Let me check out their art. And I you have an art saying. section. You yeah. know, so it's uh, it's still, blogging's been around forever, but it's still a great tool for mm -hmm. self-promotion, or in this case, promoting the artists on the site. Right. I try not to... I've, I get some promotion out of it, but a lot of people don't even know I make art now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I've, talk about your art. I mean, I, I thought this was cool. I don't know if you knew this, but okay. we were both in the uh, art under quarantine digital hat gallery. Exhibition. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm still there cause my piece didn't sell. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I do have some pieces for Sarah Blair still too. 
Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, I've got like four minted pieces. Uh huh. Because I spent all this time on crypto artnet, and this is the second time I've been slowed down by the gas crisis, mm -hmm. transaction fees. I was so excited. But, it was like 67 Gwei today. I was like, woohoo. I know. It used to be six or eight was what you're looking for. Now it's 60 or 80, you know? <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. But I'm actually getting ready to come out with a group of pieces on, I think you call it Vive, viv3.com hmm. on the Flow blockchain. Oh. And that's the first big artist platform on Flow. Mm -hmm. There have been some great artists on there already who've gotten good sales. Top Shot is on Flow, is it not? Yes. See, that's where yeah. NBA Top Shot is. Yeah. Um, Crypto Kitties has moved there partially. I'm, I haven't quite. Okay. They're doing something. How do you something. type it out? What is it? V? VIV3.com. I think that's right. V like the letter V, the letter V, the letter Victor, I. Indigo Victor. Yes. Wow, you did that just right off the top of your head. <laughs> were you were you in the military or <laughs> no? You weren't a no. cop, were you? <laughs> Be okay. a cop? Uh, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Not uh, in the blue suit, but undercover. <laughs> Do I look like a cop to you? <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't. You really don't. No. That maybe is why I am, though. Hmm. Well, if you were undercover and did a lot of drugs, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that could be. <laughs> I, yeah, I love that happens. Like that, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, okay, I've actually never that, looked that, at viv3.com. It's very cool. And hmm. it's like, you know, I've tried to, during the first uh, gas crisis that hey, I experienced back in the fall. That's with machine guns on flow. You know, that would be a whole new platform. We should talk to, um, <laughs> gosh, what's her company called that does behind all that? Does, sorry? The company behind all that. Crypto Kitties, NBA Top mm, Shot. Larva Labs? What? what? Larva, Larva Labs. Labs. Yep. You know, they did the Flow blockchain itself. I mm -hmm, mean, that's mm -hmm. major. Now, what I realized were a lot of Crypto Kitty collectors who are also crypto art collectors got into NBA top shots, mm -hmm, top mm -hmm. shot. And that doesn't usually happen with those kind of things. You know, usually now you mainly hear about people that don't have a background crypto art collecting, but you've got people now going on flow, yep. art collectors already on there. So I feel like a art, you know, platform on there can do well. Um, it's hard to get collectors to go to these other blockchains. So well, artists go. You collectors know, don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I can see. So I think I Flow might why, break though. through that. I can see why. But, you know, something like Flow having that massive success of Top Shot. Yes. That that helps tremendously. But check. Um, did you get VIV3 up? Yep. Okay. So, I mean, it looks good. Mm -hmm. It's got some good artists on there. Mm-hmm. How it's do you actually, go about joining the platform? Is it just one of those where it's open or? Uh, you apply mm -hmm. and um, but it's a pretty simple. It's not like some of them where they'll have a weird thing you have to do, like post your they used to post your email on your Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, Maker's Place which, did that, I think. Right. And that was an email I wasn't 
it wasn't i didn't have a public email that identified me i use mm. contact forms on my website mm -hmm. people at on crypto artnet have my email but i'm not posting that publicly so that was weird. right but no they have a nice basic form um and then they do all the work right now okay you send them your art they mint it they set it up now what that what's happened was first artists got on there they all sold out or there was a group that sold out mm -hmm. and um then there was a rush and I'd already been accepted right before that, but I'd lagged on sending them my art. So now it may be a couple more weeks before it shows up, but I have right. like 12 pieces that are related. They're part of a series. I'm looking forward to seeing the reactions. Mm -hmm. And also like for me, I'm working on other stuff, but mm -hmm. I kind of need to put it out in public see what happens and then that gives me the impetus to move to the next thing mm -hmm. so how do i kinda, find you on vive or, or is i'm not on there yet, yet. Oh, okay i see okay. see i'm still waiting because they had this rush of artists right okay, and they're okay, getting okay. i think they're getting ready to do a big drop with a bunch of artists some of whom are pretty well known mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and some of the artists on there are well known okay now they actually do other things it's an nft marketplace but right. they've so far they've forefronted the artists and so i don't think it'll be like some marketplace like on wax uh or a top i don't know is wax a blockchain yep yep okay right yeah, it and runs that's on where, eos technically yeah oh okay eos yeah so uh like uh tops cards has they had the garbage pail kids yep that stuff there and there's some NFT marketplaces that include art, but the art kind of gets lost on there. Mm -hmm. um, this, these guys have been forefronting the art. I think they'll do real well. And um, they've been very easy to deal with. Mm -hmm. What kind of uh, blockchain technology is Flow even? I don't even know. I don't, it's a blockchain. No, I know, but I mean. Is there more? Oh, proof of stake. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that, that addresses the eco faster. concerns yeah. people are, yeah. have, which I get. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think when Ethereum finally gets to that stage where, you know, the whole goal is that it does switch to that? What's in 2025, 2050, when, when come, yeah. you know, yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah. But what do you think? Like, what's going to happen with these competing blockchains? Well, I think um, that's going to be interesting to see. I think we're going to um, we're going to see some platforms that are hanging in there. Mm hmm on other chains they're going to die they're going to run out of money they don't have the traction to get more funding mm -hmm. they'll disappear if they did a big ico they're actually going to be able to drag it out a little longer right but they'll become like they'll become the zombie startups they might bleed out over time you can probably do some zombies for that of the startup it'd be kind of sad though because <laughs> these are the zombies that will not walk again these are the zombies that they've put, you know, shot through with uh, arrows and stuff. That might be too depressing. That would be very depressing. It's so sad because every time you see that, there's a group of people that put their heart and soul yeah, in absolutely. to make that happen. Totally. But um, I think, see, that's why I'm trying to identify blockchains that 
are likely to survive. You know, you look at flow. Flow's not going to go away. No. Ethereum doesn't have anything like NBA Top Shot. No. You're flow right. is and see, okay, here's the thing about flow. They've and just this gotta is going to get gonna, a few big corporate partners, and you know. That's the thing. Flow is going to become one of the main blockchains for corporate. They've got UFC. That's huge. That's the thing. That's huge. They're going to get NHL. They're going to get more. Oh, okay. Makes sense. I mean, once you show you can work with the NBA, yeah. Any uh, any any big franchise is going to be okay. These guys, you know, there's something you there's stuff you learn working with somebody like the Mm -hmm. NBA. Oh, sure. You know because they those kind of organizations can be very demanding very difficult so you learn how to communicate with them you start to get people who know how to talk to those folks Mm -hmm. and you also start to learn okay when is it not a good deal to work with a big brand because Mm. they can sit there and force you into deals that you can't ever really make money off of and sometimes you take those deals because that allows you to work with other companies. Right. But you have to be very careful with it's that. It's almost a loss leader. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so they're building up that expertise in-house. So let me you ask know. you a question. When I'm on this website, victorindigovictor3.com, <laughs> okay, um, when I go to Top Shot, it just says coming soon. Why can I not see it there now? On their Oh, do they are they do they say it's coming soon? Mm-hmm. Um, they probably have some kind of agreement, but there's work that has to be done to bring it on. Like I know, I see. I don't know who owns what there, right? NBA but, Top Shot was originally sold via Nifty Gateway, was it not? No, no. I'm NBA thinking, Top no, Shot. No, I'm thinking of a different brand. Yeah, yeah. NBA Top Shot yeah. is by. Uh, I'm well, pretty sure that's topshot.com, yeah. But I think it's um see they're they're doing deals with different people. Like they're gonna be on um they're gonna be on OpenSea. Okay, okay. Okay, wait a minute. Larva Labs is CryptoPunks and that kind of stuff. I think mm-hmm. Flow is somebody else. I can't remember. Dapper I can't Labs. believe I'm Dapper sitting Labs. Here Dapper Labs. Them. Dapper Labs. Larva Labs is CryptoPunks, isn't it? Yes. I was mixing them up. Which is an awesome, a huge success. Yes. And um, did I just. Sorry, I think I said Larva Labs. Larva Larva Labs is CryptoPunks. Dapper Labs is top shot. Dapper Labs. That's embarrassing. We Ah, should be ashamed of ourselves. I make mistakes on this podcast all the time. I'm old. My brain's deteriorating, (laughs) so I have an excuse. Um, and I used to smoke a lot of pot and that does, <laughs> does kind of kill your memory. <laughs> it does. I mean, short term, but I think there's also some long-term issues. Um, yeah. Dapper Labs. See, they're really the kings right now. Mm-hmm. And the only reason more people don't realize it, they hear about NBA top shots, but that's it's a much bigger thing. They mm-hmm. created Flow Blockchain. They're behind CryptoKitties. Right. So they're the real... In terms of big franchises, they are the OGs. Yeah, yeah. I think NBA Top Shot or Flow, maybe it's Flow. There's a deal coming with uh, um, OpenSea. Okay. And that's my understanding. I could be getting some. I've been looking at a lot of NFT press releases and news. 
How would yeah. that work, being that OpenSea is purely the Ethereum? I have no idea. Blockchain. But OpenSea is, let me see if I can get that. See, because I think they're actually doing something with near. Um, Flow Marketplace. Oh, this is probably a pirate thing. Flow NFTs are coming to OpenSea. Interesting. Um, well, then again, OpenSea does have like engine stuff and. Yeah, OpenSea is a powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I give them a hard time about certain things on Twitter and our communication has gone downhill because of that. But uh, they're going to they're going to thrive because they're they'll be here when Ethereum's ready to go for mm -hmm. mainstream use. Um, they're connecting with all these other blockchains. So it would be a good time to get onto uh, Victor Indigo Victor three. Yes. As an artist. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. And even if there's a delay, it's worth it long term. Sure. You know, some people get upset because oh, I'm not on their next week. I can't toss stuff up right now. Mm -hmm. This is not. You know, everything's moving really fast. Yeah. But it's still a long term play. Yeah, I just know that in my experience, uh, creating stuff as an artist, a week is a long time to wait if you're wanting to put yes. something out there. Uh, I've had to learn to develop a lot more patience than I've wanted to develop, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. You know something? We've been talking for an hour. <laughs> I want to hey, tell people about yeah, one tell more me project. About, I, I want to know more about okay. this NFT entrepreneur, an NFT business letter by Clyde F. Smith. Tell me about this. That's my new thing. I'm trying to, I've been trying to figure out how to get into business writing about NFTs, including crypto art, mm -hmm. um, while still owning at least part of it, having a media property of my own, but also writing for some other people. I have a piece that's supposed to come out on a, a, one of the more higher profile crypto news sites, mm -hmm. but it's not out yet. So I don't want to say, but yeah, hopefully no, in the next fair. few days. Yep. And then this is a newsletter. Newsletters seem to be doing well. I like the format. I'm also archiving it at nftentrepreneur.com. Mm -hmm. So, if the uh it's a substack newsletter so if that doesn't work i can always just make it a website or move everything over and take total control if it does take over off and i want to do that but it's a way to start testing the waters i'm trying to do something once a week i've only done one full newsletter it's about nft funding mm -hmm. so i'm looking at things that other people aren't really specializing in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm gathering NFT funding news. I'll talk about NFT startups and an NFT startup is any startup that provides services that enable NFTs like a blockchain. Okay. It's not just NFTs, but it's a big part of what makes NFTs possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then straight up to a straight up NFT marketplace, or services for people who want to create NFTs. So I'm looking at that as trying to look at that as NFT startups is kind of a niche. And um, looking at funding news, 
I'm uh, looking at topics like celebs coming in and putting out NFTs. You know, mm. what's up with that? How's that working? Um, I'm working on an issue about music and NFTs because there are a lot of musicians coming in right now. And it's pretty interesting to see how they're doing it because out of all the celebs, the musician celebs, they're artists. So they get how an art space works. And those, most of those folks, you know, whether you're into them or not, um, they're doing interesting things like the mm -hmm. EDM artists working with sometimes they're art directors. So they're doing these collabs. Um, so I want to do something about that. Um, and then, you know, I have some opinions about business that are kind of different than a lot of the people that are posting these perky little one and two liners on Twitter about, you know, NFTs are going to replace your mother's Studebaker. And <laughs> NFTs, you'll be eating them for breakfast. You know, all that stuff that just draws me up the wall. I'm trying to... Hype. Um, hype. It is hype. And people like the kind of inspirational stuff, you know, yeah, like Gary Vee's perfect example. Mm -hmm. He's got that market on lock and now he's bringing it into NFTs. He's actually already done some more positive moves. And Mark Cuban, you know, I think he's taking the space seriously. Yep. He may be dropping some junk NFTs. Yeah. But, but a lot of people do like that tests. at first. It's almost like a test. Yeah. And, you know, somebody said, look, he's having a lot of fun with it. And yep. that changed my attitude a little bit. You know, sometimes I take the negative, I have the negative take on something like that. Yeah. I think the switch but, flipped for him when he realized the royalty game, when he saw that. That, yes. Then he was and like, he's been real into DeFi game. too. Yeah. So he sees what's, he gets it. I think Gary V's been interacting with people in the community, like mm -hmm. some crypto artists were calling him out on Twitter and he mm -hmm. responded mm -hmm. in a positive way. He's going to be on your show. And yeah. like, you know, it's like, you're not CBS or something. No. He's like trying to connect with the community. So I respect mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Even if I'm not huge fans of either of those guys. Mm -hmm. And that's cool, you know, um, when you come in with respect like that. But um, I'm trying to have some different takes on this and bring in things I've learned from the music industry. Um, I used to write about hip hop. That's actually in 2005, my websites were all mostly about hip hop. Mm. That's when the industry was coming into form. You know, mm -hmm. it was, it had been kind of wild in this thing that wasn't getting any respect from the industry. Suddenly you got these major label CEOs sitting down with these guys with stripped out clothing. They cursed a lot sometimes, <laughs> not everyone, certainly. And they weren't the traditional people to sit down at the corporate table, but they were sitting down at the corporate table and negotiating with people that were ignoring them just a few years ago before mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. So I've seen this whole process of an industry coming into formation that people, a lot of people don't get and uh, gradually becoming more and more legitimate. And I can also see the signs of mainstream taking over. Mm -hmm, We're mm -hmm. seeing it right now with mainstream media. Yep. Crypto media slept, and you I'm sure you'll confirm this. 
sites like Cointelegraph have done did certain things about NFTs. Yes, they fixate on high sales. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they just took the cream off the top. Mm -hmm. They none of them have really dug in deeply, except for the occasional feature like Cointelegraph magazine has. We had a crypto art week on Cointelegraph last. That's year. right. I, I was really proud of that. There was that was good. good reporting out of that out of that week. That was good, but if you look right now at the last two months of mainstream media coverage, it's true. It's people, all just money. It's money. It so is. rare, yeah. But some of them are digging in. I've yes. seen normal features yes. where okay. they go on as long as any feature I've seen on crypto media. Right. And you're starting to see it regularly. It's going to become a thing. Yeah. They can take away and see. They can do better well in SEO than any of the crypto sites. So you're getting a little bit of deja vu here. A little bit. Well, not so much. I'm just, I'm seeing similar patterns. Yeah. I recognize the patterns, but it's playing out differently. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, you look at hip hop media, like 2005, 2006, hip hop blogs were like dominating on the web. Right. And then a lot of the guys in New York, in particular, New York was an epicenter, but I was in North Carolina connecting. My biggest audience was New York and LA. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was amazing to me, this white guy in North Carolina <laughs> connecting with these two epicenters. But then the guys in New York in particular, that's where the big magazines were. Yep. You know, there was a, a bigger level, a but they all started getting jobs at those magazines and right. their blogs started getting bought up. So suddenly this independent voice became the corporate voice. They became part of the corporate machine. Mm -hmm. So um, in crypto art, we don't have that same media ecosystem owned by the fans and the artists and that kind of thing. I'm trying to build a little piece of that, but it's moving faster like it's developed in a way that that ecosystem isn't emerging in the same way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of it's happening on Twitter. We don't, none of us own Twitter. Right. That's our real community. And then a little more quietly on discord and telegram, you know, people are doing the things you said about telegram a lot. Other people tell me about discord. Yep. No, they are then, similar. Yep. And certain things are happening on clubhouse, but that doesn't get out of Clubhouse very much. You don't see a lot of, hey, I learned this on Clubhouse. You see, hey, I talked to this person. Yeah, on it's contacting it was great. people that are kind of higher ups, right? Well, and also there's that, but um, the content stays on Clubhouse. Right. The learning stays on Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no recording. There's no, you're not seeing it on YouTube. That it's, will probably it's change. Kind of that. It's meant to make it feel like you want to be in there, right? Yeah, but you know what? I would say by the end of the year, they're going to have an option to record and post elsewhere. Probably. That makes sense. I think it's a it's way to pretty get, logical build, build up some buzz for them, right? Yes. Knowing that not everyone can have it, that makes people want to have it more. Yeah, I'm not good at listening to people talk to each other. <laughs> when I'm not talking, <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, and it's also an attention thing. Like, yeah, my, I don't, I, my attention is good on reading uh -huh. and looking at images. And if it's really engaging video and 
narrative feature you know feature mm -hmm. movies and stuff so podcasts this, i can't sorry. really do that like right. this podcast i'd never watch this if i wasn't on it and if i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna watch the whole thing i already right, know right, that because right. <laughs> it's gonna be like oh yeah, my god what did i say <laughs> for this we can subscribe to this right you can subscribe to nft entrepreneur and you're saying it's going to be like yes. a weekly newsletter thank you for coming back to that you're a good and interviewer thanks and it, would it just email it to the reader then yeah it'll go directly to the reader um if they want to share it you know substack you can share there's a it's visible I, i'm not doing anything paid yet uh -huh. it may never be a paid thing right now everything's free you can share the link to it on from Substack, or mm -hmm. you can go to the website, share that link if you want to. Um, so it's right now an open web kind of thing. Yeah. And I've got a Twitter account where I talk some trash about businesses and things pundits are saying. And, you know, I just finally, I tried to be polite for a while and, you know, it wasn't getting me anywhere. <laughs> people were ignoring me so i might as well be brutally honest more brash yeah and because not as many people who ignore me then it's kind of sad i think we've got to do the crypto bats and the machine guns so i think that's a great idea no one will be able to ignore that no flow no, no. will be calling us yeah they're gonna be like please join our platform please we we can't hit the next level without you <laughs> okay i got a question for you yes college dropout or graduation is that which is better i'm not adding i'm not i'm not elaborating <laughs> college dropout or graduation is that are we talking kanye west yeah uh-huh oh you know man kanye what a topic <laughs> i feel sorry for the guy you know he obviously has issues yeah and when you're really rich People enable you because well, they can make money off you. People aren't sympathetic either because he's so well. And they're not sympathetic. You get tormented. Yeah. You say something dumb that down at the local bar, it'd be a joke. And some totally. of the joking would be friendly. On Twitter, I've stabbed the guy many times. And, you know, he doesn't, probably doesn't see my tweets. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> he probably doesn't. He never sees my <laughs> tweets. You don't His know. team doesn't see my <laughs> tweets. But all these people, you know, psychically, I believe in there's stuff going on that we can't see. There's energy moving through the universe, excuse me, universe. And if a million people are sitting there talking shit about you, that's going to affect it, even if you don't hear or see. Of course. But there's plenty for him to see. And I'm, I'm sorry to see him going through that because mm -hmm. he was a brilliant, he's a brilliant producer. Mm-hmm. He's amazed me as a rapper. They did not yeah. want him to rap. Mm -hmm. The people he was dealing with that time said, no, we just want you to produce. Mm. And then he puts out uh, through the wire where he's sitting there slurring his words <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, I love that. It's one of my favorite songs. Oh, I hate that song. I was like, why is this guy on the radio? <laughs> what is going on here? And then he puts out like, more music I, I and I'm like, oh, okay. Me, you know, I mean, <laughs> Uh, you know, he's, you can hear the saliva. Yep. I mean, I mean, he was really spitting, literally spitting. And, uh, you know, because they talk about spitting bars. He says, ensure for breakfast and boost for dessert. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, his, see, that's the thing. When he's on his game, his lyrics are amazing. 
Oh, totally hilarious. And there are things he's done musically. I'll I'll say, particularly some of his early albums, there are moments that have literally made me cry. They've brought tears mm. to my eyes because there's a poignancy. Mm -hmm. Some of his lyrics match his, his production. Are, are greatly underestimated. He has very clever lyrics. Well, I think and a lot he of got, his music. I think what happened was all this other stuff overshadowed it, mm -hmm. and the fact that he's yeah. he was doing what. The Jesus Show presented by Kanye West, yeah, yeah, or something like that, you know, and doing those religious music Sunday service events. Yeah, I was really expecting him to come out with a cult. Instead, he ran for president, <laughs> which really that killed his brand. Mm. I mean, and I felt sorry for him, and I was upset with him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, now Kim's kicking him to the curb. Yeah. And you know that's got to hurt because, of course, I think there there had to have been a lot of love there. Sure. And um, they've got kids, and they're both celebrities, so they understand each other's worlds and the difficulties they go through. That, you know, I'll make fun of celebrities. I'll talk about celebrities, but, I, and I would never want to be one. Mm -hmm. I'd like to be able to call up anybody in crypto art and have them take my call mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. Beeple is about as celebrity as i'd want to get he's got That's a lot of attention. celebrity it is but he can turn it off he can still walk down the street and no one would notice he can go down to the coffee house yeah you're right mm -hmm. and the local people might recognize him but they already knew him yes and yeah, if he wants right. to he can change his look up nobody yeah. put on some dark glasses you know, Kanye West puts on dark glasses and it's Kanye West with dark glasses. Yes. Yep. It's true. You still recognize him. So yeah. you never answered my question that. though. What's up? College dropout or graduation? You know, it's been so long. I can't remember <laughs> what was on. Through the what... wires on college dropout. Graduation, uh, touch the sky would probably be the most popular song on that one. Uh, yeah, that's one of the ones that really touched me emotionally. I would have mm -hmm. to say, yeah, graduation would be. I'd take They're that both great there. albums. They're both. They great. are, but like, um, he he built. You know, he was <laughs> building, and and graduation was definitely a high point. It's more refined. That is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, there's a point you can reach with hip hop where it gets too slick. Mm. But I felt like he never, you know, he didn't lose a sense of soul. Right. I haven't been as interested in more recent music but it's also been wrapped up in this other stuff and i let that yeah, affect course. me it causes me not to listen to check things out because mm. there's probably stuff that doesn't get the airplay that i would really like but there are also people i won't listen to anymore like jay-z i refuse to listen to anything oh really yeah after i've i respect what he's accomplished but um, at a certain point, like, look, okay, here's the thing about Jay-Z. And now we've, it's been what? <laughs> We're going to do this for hours. This, you can see this is crazy. We, we do this need to wrap nuts. it up soon because I got to edit this thing. Yeah, yeah. Myself. But let me just say this about Jay-Z because I've always wanted to say it somewhere and this <laughs> yeah, is probably going to be my only chance mm -hmm. in a, in a quasi-public setting. Um, <laughs> to the seven people that listen to Clyde F. Smith. <laughs> Clyde F. Smith, there's seven of us. We're all going to listen. Um, no, okay. Jay-Z, 
he's a, he's an inc- he's an incredible force in so many ways. Great, great rapper, great lyricist. He's got a great ear for um, you know uh, guest spots for producers. He's made producers' careers. You know, he's given them this. He's done so much for so many people, and as a African American artist and business person, he's done a lot symbolically and practically but you know he put out an album there was a song in the last five years it's all kind of hazy to me where he talks about he has this little break in it and he's talking about he could have bought a building in i think dumbo which is that's either part of brooklyn or queens it was an area where property was cheap and now it's incredibly expensive i could have bought it da, 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 for this amount and I didn't, and now it's worth this amount. And people were like writing articles about how he was dropping real estate knowledge for black people. And I was like, man, and this is this is black writers. And, you know, I just think it's condescending to say that black people learn from a rapper saying, hey, real estate's cheap and then it's expensive and if you don't buy one that's pretty condescending that's that was my take on that Mm -hmm. i felt sad that well part of the thing is black people in the u.s have faced so many obstacles and they Mm. still do you know black home home ownership is crashing under the pandemic i mean Let's not pretend that we don't have racism issues in Canada here. Let's just make that clear as you go on there. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, there's stuff all over the place, but, you know, the U.S. is like a huge center. Sure, it's far more populated. Not just for African-Americans, but from black people from all over the world. Sure. Um, And black artists are an inspiration to people of all cultures and races and yet you still get people getting gunned down in the streets by cops mm-hmm. acting as a um, paramilitary force occupying black neighborhoods yeah so when you have that i mean i'm not gonna i don't want to give somebody a hard time to say hey it's good that jay-z is talking about real estate in a song because talking about real estate will get black youth particularly thinking about real estate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but acting point. like that was some heavy piece of knowledge that had been hidden away <laughs> when it's you know it's right there on the web you go on any number of sites you're gonna pick that up if you you don't even have to really but i think in, you made a good point there in that yeah. who's listening to this music it's it's young people who aren't necessarily hearing that otherwise right and for them to hear it Maybe it can have an effect that's positive. Well, think about, let's say you're a young African-American in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wherever you live, you're going to see examples of gentrification. Sure. You're going to talk to your parents. They'll talk about, hey, that used to be where we went to get sodas on the weekends and hang out with the other kids, you know. Or, you know, this, if you go back to the 50s, this is an area where um, there was a 
Black Wall Street. They called it Black Wall Street. I think uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma had one, but there were other areas actually called that. Mm -hmm. The um, highway system that came in, I guess, in the six, early 60s, urban renewal. There's a black people from that period call it inward removal. Because what they did was all across the country, federal funds were made available to put in highways through cities. They put it through black neighborhoods mm. because at that point, all the local politics was run by white people in most mm -hmm, cases. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So people that saw that are still alive. They're telling their kids that. Well, it's just, it's a case of the, the, it, the racism is so systemic that it's difficult yes. to perceive. Well, no, I mean, I think people are sitting there going, wow, you know, that used to be a black neighborhood and see how those white people moved in over there. Suddenly prices started going up, more white people moved in. That's happened all over the country. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think actually it's possible that young people all have examples of real estate. On the other hand, they really hadn't thought about Jay-Z buying buildings. Right. Now mm -hmm. that part I think would be interesting and perk them up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, anybody that's paying attention that hadn't thought about it, I mean, it's ridiculous, but you can still think about black people in the US and be surprised that somebody, a black man like Jay-Z owns a big building. I mean, that tells you how far we still have to go. Sure, absolutely. So on that side, I get it. On the other hand though, the idea that, hey, real estate gets more expensive I just felt like that was kind of weird. Yeah, except when it doesn't. You know, there's that problem that. too. Real estate doesn't always get more expensive. Well, that's that's <laughs> what you got to start learning if you want to get into real estate. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, uh, being part of hip hop in media, I felt like there was a period there where I was in dialogue with a lot of black people, um, because I do genuinely respect black culture and have educated myself about the history. People were interested in what I had to say and treated me with respect. I didn't get a, why is that white guy talking about this stuff at all? Mm -hmm. To be honest, the only disrespect I got when I was writing about hip hop was from white people. Hmm. My old friends back in Raleigh, I'm sitting there and for about three years, I earned a living off my websites, most of which were about hip hop. I have a lot of white musician friends from my hometown. Some of them have had re label deals, have toured professionally. A lot of them are rock or folk musicians. Mm -hmm. And I'd tell them I was doing this and they'd go, hip hop, that's not even music. I mean, and we're sitting there <laughs> in the 21st century, people are still <laughs> trying to say that's not music, which blew my mind, but yeah. also they were so freaked out by the hip hop that they couldn't go, Oh, Hey, congrats on earning a living on your own on the web yourself. Yeah, Cause you think the natural thing things. to be like, Holy crap, way, way to go. Like, good job. That's cool. Exactly. And I got almost none of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The only people that could see that were the people that were into hip hop. Sure. And we're also puzzled by their friends not being able to recognize what it was. Well, it's almost like a xenophobia, but applied to music in a sense. I, I don't know what to think about it. Yeah. 
but part of it is people are very stubborn about the music genre that they feel most aligned with and any difference is seen as some kind of personal attack. I don't know why. Well, there were right. some people that because it's a, a rhythmic thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the music doesn't emphasize melody. It might, um, melodies included, it's sampled or there's a guest singer. But because of that, they said it wasn't music. Well, it's well, kind of like the art thing and the trash art. You know what? It's, you can argue, you know, and say, oh, well, that's not art and dismiss it. But art is just a form of expression, you know, so. Let me give you, know. you what I think is a better, even better comparison. Mm -hmm. um, back with the expressionists, with, with Picasso, with people in generations before him, um, explorers anthropologists were bringing back masks from africa from south pacific from many asian countries they were treated like these trippy things that you put in the nature museum or you put them in the mm -hmm. anthropology museum but then you look at picasso's painting oh there's one of I think it's seven women, something like that. It's yep. a French name, of course. Yeah, Les Femmes d'Avignon or something like that. I forget. Yeah, it's like uh, it goes from a fairly realistic to this cubist face, basically, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And Demoiselle d'Avignon. Yes. You know what they look like? They mm -hmm, look like mm -hmm. African masks. Mm -hmm. And you look in pictures in his studios, he collected African masks. Mm -hmm. But at the time when people said, did you get the idea from African masks? Like, oh no, I just like to have the masks. I like to collect the masks, but there's no connection to my art, but you look at it, you see the evidence. Mm -hmm. So that he could get away with that because people thought, oh, those masks, they're not art. Right, there was a dismissiveness kind of attitude, a dismissive attitude. And you look at African music and- many, Or it's almost like, well, when Picasso does it, then it's art. But exactly exactly when it was exactly. this african mask that wasn't art right because i mean you think about there are all sorts of country music musicians and there used to be you got more of this it seems corny now but when i was a kid you know you'd get somebody doing a little rhyme to their country song yeah or you know talking on a rock song or whatever and um there's this cultural thing that I think has a racist base. Mm -hmm. It might not be racist in the sense of a policeman shooting you in the back racism, but that's the thing about systemic racism. It affects your thinking in ways you don't even recognize. Sure. Like I, I'm a teacher, you know that, right? I and, did not. Oh yeah. I, I'm a teacher and I have a mix of students in my class. And some of them are black, some of them are white, some of them are Asian, some of them are indigenous, whatever. And uh, we were talking about Band-Aids, right? And oh, one of the flesh kids colored. talked about skin color Band-Aid, right? Yes. And one of the black girls was like, no, it's not my skin color. Yeah. And the, ki the kid was like, holy crap, I've never thought about that. It had never occurred to her that this black girl, when she wears a Band-Aid, it does not blend in with her skin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just this kind of funny little example of just this 
it's a it's a systemic thing where it's yeah. just it's yeah. so entrenched you don't even see that it has kind of a racist yes. origin yeah right yeah that that comes up you know crayons yeah sure flesh or skin tone or whatever they were called yeah yeah and mm -hmm. that's changing and yeah. you know it's like some people go oh that's silly what's the big deal but our minds are formed through language and our perceptions absolutely. are formed through language absolutely so changing yeah. the names on those crayons and band-aids may seem like a small thing but it's part of a process of changing consciousness you're right yeah, so it's more important than people realize it is because it's the way you speak is the way you think And you know the French. Like if you go from one language to another, this, for we example, we won't go into that. Sorry. sorry, if you go from one language to another, there's different words for things that don't exist in another language. Yes. And there's a way of thinking that doesn't exist in that other language. Yes. You know, excuse my dog barking. Anyway, um, didn't hear it's him. been a really great discussion. We might have to pick this up sometime because we, we get, should do a part get, two at some point. Yeah, we went well over uh, the time. You you were like, no, there's no way we'll cover an hour. I'm like, trust me, we'll easily cover Yeah. An hour. <laughs> well, you're really interesting to talk to. And um, you let me talk a lot. So that kept well, that's my... kind of the point. But also, I think um, <laughs> if you do go to YouTube with this, mm -hmm. you probably have some chunks you could separate. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, make, I it, think make this, it briefer for YouTube, like make it like a compressed kind of thing. Well, I think this discussion about race is interesting because it is. Um, shows people where we're at. But I think mm -hmm. we touched on some points that um, people should be talking about now. We di we didn't invent any of these ideas we presented. No, but it shows how you it's part of our lives and it relates to our art even if it doesn't come out thematically in our art our thinking about art and um i think about it a lot in my art do you I don't really? know if you saw my uh zombie alien i'm not I, sure i've seen created, a lot of your pieces actually i but... created a zombie alien i'll send it to you i'll show you it to you here oh cool yeah um, i see now, a lot of art every day now it's um, crazy it's meant to be humorous um but sorry i'm not finding my wearable as quickly as i should <laughs> should always have your wearable near it i know right it should just be like you should have a special wearable. device you can just hold up to the camera look at my art <laughs> okay so here i'll tell you what i what i was thinking about this piece i'll find it here a minute and send it to you okay um i was my thought was okay how can I kind of address the notion of stereotyping and prejudice, okay. but in a way that no one will necessarily even perceive it, mm. but it's still something that can come out of it in terms of what if, okay? And this was the what if. Okay, I sent you the link in Zoom there. Okay. So you can click um, on it in the chat there. In the chat. Yeah. Gotcha. Let's see. <clears throat> so... Is done. So it's a zombie. It's a gray. You know those zombie, the gray alien. Typically, they're considered gray, which I always think is kind of interesting. That entire species are a single color. In when oh when yeah, aliens. particularly with the area of forty-five kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, you've got this alien. Oh yeah, yeah. There he is. Okay, and you can see he's got bite mark on his shoulder. So clearly, he's been bitten by another zombie, and he's infected. Oh. Now here's my here's my question though. My what if? Okay, what if? 
your only one and only encounter with an alien was this alien and it's a zombie and it's infected and it's sick and it does terrible things like eat people's brains you might assume that all aliens are sick and eat people's brains <laughs> but in fact this is an aberration this is not typical alien <laughs> so the notion of taking something an individual does that's bad or evil or terrible yeah and then extrapolating that to a group of people yeah i think um i think what happens is that people take this kind of idea they turn it into a caricature mm -hmm. and they'll put it in cartoons or whatever you know dr seuss some of his work's getting pulled now yeah yeah. because of particularly because of asian stereotypes not just that mm -hmm. now he did that i don't think with any malice no it, when you look at that time period time. yeah a lot of that was happening there's uh you look at the history of the nutcracker there's uh the ballet the nutcracker there's scenes of different ethnic groups that that trafficked in stereotypes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that's what people are getting fed in the media and in movies and so even without it being something extreme like this mm -hmm. you know you characterize these um basically things parodies of people and that starts to become that starts to populate people's imagination mm -hmm. and when they see somebody like uh when i was in grade school the only two black kids in my gr grade school were from India. Hmm. So they were Indian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It wasn't until junior high that I had African-American kids in class. Mm -hmm. So I, I had all sorts of stereotypes. Now I was raised by liberal democratic parents. So I had positive stereotypes. But those can lock people into place too. Sure. But when you were talking about this, I thought about the height of the crack era in the, I guess the eighties mm -hmm. and crack turned people into human stereotypes. They became parodies of humans. Those got put into movies. They got turned into jokes. Mm. And um, there are some people that theorized that part of what helped in the crack era was watching people get, not just seeing them being turned into caricatures of humans, but then being treated like caricatures mm. of humans. And you see that like in The Wire, for instance, the TV show, The Wire. I don't know if you've so seen that. I've never actually gotten into, I've tried and I just- Yeah, some people don't take to it. I, I thought it was incredible, but um, um, there are points there where there's the project scenes where the young young guys are dealing drugs mm -hmm. and i guess it was crack um and they're treating these people telling them to get in line they're treating them like animals i mean like you know like you treat something you're about to slaughter and eat except they were just going to monetize their you know their pain and mm -hmm. addiction and seeing that some people have said that they believe that in their communities, seeing people being treated that way, turned into that and being treated that way, 
helped end certain elements of the crack epidemic. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I think um, I wouldn't have looked at this image and thought of that. But once you start talking about the ideas behind it, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, the zombie thing's weird. I don't really like get into zombies. <laughs> That's cool. I like vampires. Ah. Okay. I always thought vampires were cool. But um, zombies I have trouble relating to. Something about them, I just, I never get tired of it. Yeah, funny. it's it's interesting. Yeah. Hey. It's been really great chatting with you. And yeah, maybe it's been awesome. We'll have to do a part two. And for anybody that's still so. listening, because this has been a long episode again, uh, check out cryptoartnet.com and you can check out Clyde F. Smith. And uh, if you're wondering where he is on Twitter, that's easily found if you look for Flux Research. And you check out his new project coming up, his uh, nftentrepreneur.com, which you can get in early. Yeah. Avoid the rush. So, Lots of stuff to do. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon. <laughs>